Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. And I got a text last week out of the blue that made me smile. It was from Max Olson. He linked a story in his text and he said, I got I got some takes on this. And I thought to myself, oh no, we, we have not done room temperature takes in a while because when Max <laughs> comes, he comes with the not, not hot, not blazing, Mm-mm. not freezing, just right there in the sweet spot room temperature takes. So Max, in honor of you joining us and you and I exchanging room temperature takes today, I have made an official introduction for room temperature takes. So, yeah. I'm honored. I, okay. My production let's hear it. skills at work. Here we go. The thing that I get the most satisfaction out of is just being not wrong. I just want to be not wrong. It's room temperature takes with Max Olson. We are not here to get ratio today, Andy. That's what we're not here to do. Too many flex bombs, not enough flex bombs. How, how we do? How we feel about the flex bombs? I, I love it. Um, you know, this is to you know, if, if folks missed the first episode of this, you know, when you're in the grocery aisle and you're reaching for a jar of salsa, this is you're reaching for the, the pace milder medium. If you're listening to this pod, you know, that's exactly right. That's not, exactly. You're not right. trying to challenge yourself. You know, this is we're just a, you're a good old plastic can today. of uh, tomatoes and onions here. You are going to come away from this saying that was a very pleasant experience. I mean, I am not I, the least. I, bit look, angry. I enjoy your, you know, arguments with Ari as much as anybody, and and that's not what I'm trying to achieve here. I'm, we're, we're trying to have a little harmony, and uh, you know, also my my kid, you know, we're taping this at night, and my kid's sleeping, yep. so I can't be screaming, I can't be waking that kid up. Ex- exactly. Now Ari doesn't seem to care. Kids, kids just sleeping because this this podcast between you and Ari is. Very much arranged around newborn naps. That's that's how we how we roll here. The, the only difference with him and I is I'm just not like jet setting on vacations every weekend. Like I, I know he has a kid, <laughs> yeah, but I don't man. His quality of life is still extremely high. I never left the house unless it was for work. Hell no. <laughs> when I when I had babies, like that was I was not allowed to leave the house unless it was for work. So all right, let, let's talk about this because you texted me with this story last week. And, and made a very interesting point. And this is one that made the rounds on the internet. It's, it's a topic that, that we discuss a lot on the podcast. You and I discussed it a lot when it, was, when, it was, when it was hot early last month. And that is, it was a story from AL.com about Brian Harson. It, it was from the Montgomery Advertiser. Oh, Montgomery Advertiser. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Got to give, give the, right, the right outlet. So the Montgomery Advertiser writes a story about Brian Harson and some Alabama high school coaches being miffed that Harson has not been establishing, you know, the kind of relationship that they would like the Auburn coach to establish with them. And some background, this is a historically good year in the state of Alabama for talent. I believe there are 11 top 100 players in the rivals, or I'm sorry, the 24-7 composite right now uh, for the class of 2023. So great, great year for talent in Alabama. Uh, High school coaches complaining about Brian Harson, and and you made a great point to me because I realize it is popular to pile on Brian Harson right now. Very much, but yeah, yeah. Please give him the support he needs. <laughs> it's <clears throat> it's not really. I mean, look, this is uh, this is not me uh, standing for for Brian Harson. We can talk about why 
we don't think it's gonna work there. And we you've talked about that plenty on on this podcast as well. But the the thing that stood out to me, and it, and this was certainly um, you know is a well reported piece, and I'm not trying to take away anything from it. But I, I believe kind of the hook of it was that you know they talked to 14 Alabama high school coaches, and only seven of them had met Brian Harson so far, and that I that blew up a bit on Twitter, and I and I get why because if you have kind of this, it, it's it's confirmation bias, right? Like you, if you already have this kind of sense that just as you know as you wrote about like Dan Mullen last year, like if you think the guy's not cutting it in recruiting. Then uh, you're going and you read something to that effect, like you're going to say, yep, see, here's the proof. This guy's blowing it to me. The not Brian Harson not getting in enough high school so far to me is like not really damning because you still have to remember that they, you know, in his first few months on the job, he couldn't go on the road. There was still any coach hired in late 2020 was not allowed to right any head coach couldn't travel until. The fall of 2021, and head coaches don't get to go on the road in April, May to go do those those um, high school visits. And yeah, so, you know who led the charge for that to get changed and, and force them off the road? An Auburn coach, Tommy Tuberville, didn't want to chase Nick Saban small, around. Small world. So that yeah. that winter period is really important in terms of coaches getting out and on the road, not just to finish your class, but then to get going on the next few. And Brian Harson didn't get to have that. He this is the first winter he got to have that, and obviously it was. Um, a tumultuous winter and while, while, you know, y- yeah. you're getting that important time out on the road. To me, the damn thing is not like getting in enough high schools. It's, I think if you are starting from behind, if you know, man, we can't even really do in-person recruiting until it was June, right? Yeah. I, I To me, like that, the thing that the correction there would need to be, how can I catch up by getting as many high school coaches as possible on my campus, having yeah. clinics, going to their clinics, going to their events and award events and whatever you can go to. And I know that's been pointed out before that Harson has missed some of those things that other SEC coaches don't miss. Um, that to me is like kind of the more, the more damning thing, but I, but I, and I'm not just trying to nitpick there, but I also think from covering recruiting back in the day a little bit too, like I think you've noticed year, year over year, the high school coach, has less influence on a recruitment right. than ever before. Now, I, I don't. I'm not sure Brian Harson is is going out and meeting the the seven on seven coaches or the uh, the private trainers or the other people who are exerting a significant amount of influence these days. Well, his son's a, a, a high school player, so he can go out to some of these things. And yeah, actually he can go to the events. Folks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he did this weekend. But um, and I'm not trying to say high school coaches don't do anything for players. They absolutely do. But if you're talking about those kind of players that that. You know the blue chip players that Auburn needs to get. Uh, those those coaches, those players are not going to their coach before signing day and saying, "Coach, where should I go?" Right, right. There's somebody else's involved, setting, especially now more than ever. And you know, I, I just think I, I at this point I just feel bad for Brian Harson. I, which he's being paid handsomely. I yep. get it, but the internal sabotage that was attempted on him was below the belt and it it made a situation that was already bad that much worse and i just mm-hmm. i don't know i but but i don't the, think there, it's going to work but what, I, what, I hate I to see it like yeah. this sure now i know what stood out to you in that piece was the okg's part of it and i would like to talk about that yes yeah i mean that so okg is a term that that Brian Harson's former boss, Chris Peterson, used a lot. Rich Rodriguez would use it a lot, too. It means our kind mm-hmm. of guy. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, 
there's two schools of thought on it. One is it's it's coaches who evaluate really well, who who know exactly what who fits in their program. And the other school of thought is it's coaches who can't recruit elite talent, making an excuse for why they can't recruit elite talent. I, I truth's think in the middle. That, yeah, exactly. And you know, th- that, then that's what we're going for in this podcast. Truth is in the middle, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that at Auburn, you can't go full OKG. You just can't. No. Like I, people mm-hmm. just like I think that you know at. Kentucky, you can and you should, and it's working. But they're not. Right? But, but but they, also they are still getting that. high level players. Yeah, they've yes. moved past OKG. Like Josh yes. Allen and and Snell were OKGs. You look at the class they signed this year; they've kind of progressed past that. for sure. And as you win, you get to move up in the world in recruiting. But it, 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 at a school in Kentucky, and that's just a, a random example there. But they pat you on the back and say, "Like, holy crap, what an awesome job we're doing at developing here!" Right? I mean, that's yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. At Auburn, like you can build classes different ways. And if you decide that the way to go at Auburn is to take ten transfers a year, then like I'm not going to say that's the wrong way to go. But buddy, like you, you got to go get like you know some really, really good players in your region. You have to win the battles for those guys. And I think that you can't just say, well, you know, I've won a lot of games with three stars and we're going to get the right three stars here because first of all, you're going to get fired before the, you know, those three stars are juniors and seniors. But also like you, you have to like respect, like with the last regime, like think about how much work it takes to get a Derek Brown on your team. Yes. It is very, very hard to do. And you have to, make that effort if you're the coach at Auburn to get those kind of players there and, and, and as opposed to just it. saying, well, you know, the, we're, we're looking for a player that's less entitled and less hyped and will work harder and stuff like, no, you have to get really, really good guys there to have a chance in that division. And, and Derek Brown, as good as he was, because he was a, every bit, the talent he was purported to be mm-hmm. in his recruitment and a hard worker and, and everything, everything you'd totally. want out of that. And it still wasn't good enough. They still wanted to fire Gus at the end of that 2019 <laughs> right. season, right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, no, that's. It, I, I you, just you got not just one of those. You have to have bunches of those to win in the SEC. You do, and I and, I, and I'm not trying to like delve into stars matter here, but I think there's there's a middle ground to that where I think that uh, I just don't think that with where things are at today, if you just took the temperature today, you would say, man, what what is it going to take for Harson to get? you know, get to 23 with this job. And I don't know. I think you've got to, you have to go big in recruiting now to just try and buy yourself time. Yeah. I I think like a lumber supply chain shortage might be the, the thing that, that does it. So Mm -hmm. something that restricts the amount of money that can be given to Auburn university uh, for that. The cost of lumber is just not in a great place right now. It's not, but the question is, does the person selling the lumber make more because of that or less? If, yep. if they get in a situation where they make less, then, then Harson has a chance to, to potentially be safer. But no, it's, it, it's, it's just frustrating to me because they didn't have to make this that public. They didn't have to do that to him. There didn't have to be all those rumors. Like that, that was a dirty pool. It didn't yeah. need to be like that. If you don't like the guy, great. Buy him out. That's it. it- yeah, you can't you can't really unpoison that well at this point. Yeah, so that that one was was amazing to me. We'll be right back after these words. Now here's here's another one where a coach 
got kept, and, and this is one I had last week in, in the Dear Andy column, okay. because I, I was asked about Scott Frost, and the, the question was basically, history's not on his side, what do I think is going to happen? And I wrote that, that while history may not be on Scott Frost's side, math might actually be on his side. And uh, Jason Deloach at, at CFB Numbers did this amazing post in early February. Yeah. And I linked to it in, in that Dear Andy column. You can you can find it on my Twitter feed. You can go to at CFB Numbers. It's, it's posted there. They simulated Nebraska's 2021 season 5,000 times using all the, the stats from, from all the teams on the schedule. How many times in the 5,000 simulations did Nebraska win three games? Two. Two. They were more likely, they were most likely with that performance to win six, seven, or eight. That was the kind of the sweet spot statistically. But they were much more likely to win 10 than they were to win two, or so than, than they were to win three, given, given the, the parameters of the season. So they're not that far off. And and I think what what I got from the the commenters in in that story was yes, but the mistakes were coaching mistakes, and that's why it won't work. We're going to find out. The way they rewrote his contract, they give him six games basically, mm-hmm. and and the buyout drops after the sixth game of the season, and and we'll see. We'll we'll kind of know. But but I'm curious because on. Monday, you went out to a press conference featuring Scott Frost and all mm-hmm. the new Nebraska assistants and and some players. And and what were your takeaways from from that group getting a chance to talk? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that is sort of you, there's a lot of aspects of this Nebraska twenty twenty two run here that are that are going to be fascinating to watch and, and pretty unique. And um, you know, a lot of times with a coach, when you're kind of on the fence about whether to make that move. Sometimes the thing that can factor in that can be like, oh man, look at where the roster is at. Like, oh, they're really just like a year away, right? Sometimes you just yeah. look at it and you say, you know, give them just a little bit more time. They're doing all the right things, and this is this is going to click here in the next year. We we just have faith in this that based on what they've got, they don't have a lot coming back, Andy, from last year from this team that uh, you know that this team that that really struggled played in a ton of close games, but. It's a really in, uh, in terms of uh, they lost a, a lot of super seniors. They lost uh, several you know multi year starters who went into the draft early. They lost obviously Adrian Martinez to, to Kansas State and replaced him with Casey Thompson. Um, or there's Chabba a lot Purdy. of or Chaba Purdy. That's right. Um, although Mark Whipple came out today and said Casey Thompson's uh, the number one QB and uh, wow. just straight up said it after the first practice. So he said that can change, but that's where they're at. Um, this is not one where it's like kind of a run it back team. Like they're they are going to have to find a lot of new starters on that defense that was really good last year. They're going to have to find uh, new starters on the O line, which was very bad last year. Um, they need to find new playmakers. They need to have a whole uh, starting quarterback battle. They have to figure out somebody who's leading that that running back room. Um, there's just a, a ton of question marks with this team, and not like a ton of and, and, and not like a ton of certainties. And uh, on top of that, you've got a totally rebuilt offensive staff with with one exception, um, trying to blend old ideas and new ideas. And um, man, there's just a there's just a lot of moving parts. And, uh, you know, I think in this sport, as you've seen, sometimes when you've got a little bit too much of that, you're trying to achieve all in one year. um, You know, you're going to have that that maybe that five or six win kind of season. Well, so but but it's Nebraska. So 
the expectations by the end of August will be that this is an eight or nine win team. Oh, and of so course. The gap there is, uh, you know, potentially a problem. Well, I've, I've shared my theory with you on, on how that works with Nebraska. And, and it's for those who don't live in an area where the college football team is the biggest thing going, it's, it's a little bit harder to understand because like if you're in a pro market, the coverage is going to trend toward critical and, and be either kind of even keeled or veer toward the negative. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in most college markets, it's, it's not as critical, but like in the SEC, it can get pretty critical just because the expectations are so high. But for, but Nebraska, it is, it is the, the biggest thing going. And so they are going, they've got to write about every single thing and talk about every single thing that happens with that team. Every aspect of that team will be explored. And obviously in an off season, you can't really be that negative because there's no, there aren't any negative facts. There are no losses to say, well, they did this wrong. They did this wrong. It's, it's all optimism. And I feel like that just gets pumped up so high by the time the season starts. And then that first yeah. loss is just like, Oh God, what now? Yeah. There's, and there's a little bit of a disconnect there where you, you think that just like, okay, on paper, like they've got all these and Frost even said it today. Like, that's great if we've got pieces, but we need to turn this into a team. Yeah. You know, the, the, and, and the, every every recruit is written about like they are the second coming of of Scott Frost, and or, the recruiting of, classes, even in the years yeah. they struggle in recruiting, are still like top twenty five. You know, well, so, the, like, the other thing is a baseline expectation there. Yeah, in defense of people writing about recruits, <laughs> like who's going to trash a seventeen year old? Who's going to do that? <laughs> so, yeah. of course, it's going to get. I feel like it gets artificially pumped up there. And, and it are, the expectations get too high. What is a reasonable expectation? I, that was the, the original question in the Dear mm-hmm. Andy column was, what's a reasonable expectation for Frost to keep his job? What does he need? I think it's bowl eligibility. I feel like given mm-hmm. what's happened, that represents progress. Yeah, I, I think that <clears throat> certainly Trev Alberts and the people in, that have Scott Frost back are going to be looking for anything that they can cite as, you know, tangible progress here um, in terms of the results this season. And uh, as you saw by the way that they, you know, spun three and nine is as glass half full, essentially. Right. Um, and, the the, and, you know, three and nine team ever. A hundred percent. And, you know, at a lot of places, absolutely, that does not get you another year. It just yeah. doesn't. I, I mean, I mean, but they're, they're points for and for points for and points against in Big Ten play were right. dead even. And they were one and eight like that just shouldn't happen. That, it's completely that says bizarre. The ball bounced the other way a bunch of times on you. That's that's what that's saying. Well, and so this year, you you know, <laughs> I guess this year we find out how much of that is on is on coaching and how much of it is on just talent and, and development problems and how much is luck. Yeah. How yeah. much is luck? But, um, you know, it's, it's as, as you guys have said before, right? I mean, how many, how many times do you dent the card for it? Stops being a coincidence, right? <laughs> that's that's right. How, how many more dad, chances do you get? Um, I Mr. love, Washerman I love that coming through. It's, but it's I think tremendous. It, I think part of it is, um, people here still, they didn't want Scott Frost fired. A lot of people didn't. I'm not saying most. Right. I'm, I'm not saying more than 50%. I don't know. Um, I think people still really want to believe that the fantasy can become reality. 
I'm, and I'm, I understand that. And, and I also think nationally people don't quite understand where Nebraska people are at because I think there's this, this image of Nebraska fans being obsessed with getting back to where they were in the nineties. Every Nebraska fan I interact with, they're, they're under no illusion that they'll ever get back to where they were in the nineties. They they just would like to have a nice, respectable program. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, right now the, the, the bar has been lowered so much that, um, you know, to get back to eight, nine wins a year would be just like tremendously satisfying, I think, to Nebraska fans. And, you know, there's a there's a larger discussion there, obviously, about like where like to me, I would say if you're a Nebraska fan, you should be praying for a 12 team playoff because I don't know how you get into the 14 playoff in the next 10, 20 years. Well, you might want to tell your league that because <laughs> although I, I do <laughs> right. think once the Big Ten gets that new TV deal locked down, I think they'll be pretty amenable to to any playoff with six at large, because that'll be good for the big 10. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's the thing you got to cling to is just the continued monetary success of the big 10. Cause that's, that's been the only benefit so far for, yeah. for being that. Way. I have, I have another room temperature take that, that is tangentially related to Nebraska. Uh, and this is, I, this is me. I, I get a little, a little more heated on this one, Max, than, than most. Okay. Uh, the all caps press releases have got to stop. Mm-hmm. Nebraska did this last week when Trev Alberts announced that he was keeping Fred Hoiberg, the, the men's mm-hmm. basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And, and so they put out the, the two press releases, uh, one with a quote from Trev Alberts, one with a quote from Fred Hoiberg, both of them in all caps, both completely unreadable. And then on Monday, you get the tour de force from Kyler Murray's agent, Eric Burkhart. Yes. With, with the, the Kyler Murray letterhead, which, by the way, I've created a nice blank template with Kyler Murray letterhead. You can find it on my Twitter feed if you'd like to create your own Kyler Murray announcements. But maybe like nine-point font, all caps, mm-hmm. manifesto. Basically, mm-hmm. Kyler saying, I would like oh, more money. Oh, it wasn't money. Kyler. It was definitely Eric saying all this. Yeah. Well, it said that Kyler wanted to be direct, and mm. Kyler's version of being direct apparently is having his agent put out a press release yeah. under his agent's name. Uh it was it was quite the manifesto. Basically, I, I did try to read it in spite of it being in all caps mm-hmm. uh, and very small font. Uh, he's got two more years. He's he's on a rookie contract. He's a first round draft pick. The the Cardinals have obviously the fifth year option. Uh, unlike most quarterbacks on a rookie contract, he was the fifth overall pick in the major, major league draft. And assuming the the lockout ever ends, that does provide some leverage that most other QBs on a rookie contract don't have. So maybe, maybe he can get himself paid. But I I submit he would have garnered more favor mm-hmm. had that press release been about a quarter as long yes. and included lowercase letters. Now, that, that thing was classic, you know, TLDR, but I did read it all. And, uh, I will say, yeah, I think that typography in this case really matters. And, and I think people, you know, certainly like I, and I saw lots of these, uh, the folks in college football who, you know, work in the, uh, the graphics and creative departments now, uh, sharing this and, 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 and sharing that concern. And, and they're right. You know, I think that, uh, it's, it's fun to make cool looking things, but it's gotta be readable. Here's my thing. I had never taken a graphic design class. Mm-hmm. Most of us haven't, but we all passion. read things. Sure. And things in all caps are unreadable, especially when they're in a nine point font. This yes. is not complicated. 
Also, there's just that Twitter thing too, where it's like I had to open that from TweetDeck onto regular Twitter yeah, and then blow it up fun. and then zoom in. Yeah. Meanwhile, Derek Jeter announces his separation from the from the Marlins mm-hmm. with like a three paragraph statement on a blank white background that includes capital letters and lowercase letters in grammatically correct fashion. That's why he's the captain, Max. That's why he's the captain. <laughs> well, you know, and he he wasn't asking for more money. He was just leaving. So right, good on him. Right, <laughs> that's that's the way to do it. it listen, if you're going to do it, keep it short and sweet, and capital letters and lowercase letters, just like your kindergarten teacher taught you. That's that's all you need to know. I agree. I agree. There's this is uh, there's nothing nothing warm about that. That's just really good good uh, solid reasoning right there. Solid business sense. Uh, yes, all sir. right, Max. Speaking of business sense, you mentioned that you have a a room temperature take about these NIL collectives that uh, I had David Ubbett on last week to mm-hmm. to break all that down and and he you know the 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 one that is I got to make sure I get the wording right the one that is uh, Tennessee centric guided him through the process and basically you got to have like a 10 million dollar pool if you even want to come close to competing i got i got something to say on the collectives and uh, i'm not sure if people are ready to hear it but here we go i think collectives are fine (gasps) they're fine what they're not the downfall of everything and they're not the greatest thing that ever happened i i think they're somewhere in the middle there i uh (laughs) you know i think i I, well, first of all, Andy, I mean, let's let's be honest here. Um, there's a part, like it, like okay, let me let me go back to one of your old takes from a couple of years ago, right? Okay. And, I, and I'm sure you would probably amend the take over time here. I remember you used to say that the transfer portal stuff. We always had transfers. Now we just have a website for it, right? That's like true. it's not that big a deal. Now it's a little bit bigger deal now, but I think that well, was they, a, cha- they a, changed the eligibility rules. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think that. Uh, I think that, that that amount of money makes sense. I think people probably in that conference have organized before to provide large sums of money to players. And uh, now we're just kind of doing it more publicly. So that doesn't really offend me. I think, if anything, the unregulated nature of it is, like, slightly concerning. I mean, Andy, do you know what, like, what's what's a reasonable, like, if they're going to raise this much money, like, what's a reasonable amount of overhead there that they should be paying themselves? That's a good question. That... that- because at what point does that kind of like turn into fraud where they're just kind of doing this because they can not, I'm not saying that specifically the Tennessee collective. I'm saying, no, in general, I know what you're saying. People that are looking at this landscape and saying, man, there's a real opportunity here. Yeah. And this is, this has actually always been one of my big problems with college sports. Too many middlemen. Yeah. I don't like that all of the rules and, and then the workarounds around the rules and the, they, cause they can't just make them employees, which obviously I realize there are rules governing that too. Yeah. Yeah, you you get into government, you know, you get into state laws, you get into federal laws, all that stuff. But every sort of ad hoc thing they do in college sports creates feels like it creates more middlemen. Now, would, would you? Would, maybe you'd feel worse about this, but I'm I'm curious. Would you feel better about the concept of collectives if they moved in house? Probably. Because it, it it just takes them now. There there still would be someone ad- administrating it, but yeah, you're hiring you're the administrator. You know, probably based on what the market wants. I mean, for as that an athletic job. department, you already hire people for fundraising. Correct, correct. So it, it you you probably just shift somebody over. 
It's sort yeah. of like how the the recruiting departments have been they've they've shifted people from focusing on high school players to focusing on players that are in college. You you would do the same thing with your with your development arm of your athletic department. So mm-hmm. now, but again, you do that they're employees and and then you you're dealing with a, a yeah, whole new course. But I think you're going to I think we're going to get they're going to get to that point. They they're just and and I I'll be honest with you given the language of that Supreme Court ruling I don't know that there are any rules that the schools can create at this point to really rein this in. They, I know they want sure. a federal yep. law. I'm not sure they're going to get one, especially not one that they that they want right now with with this Congress. So it may be that they they have to wait till the players are basically employees or or, or officially mm-hmm. employees and just bargain with them because right if you got a CBA, well, the, labor can't sue you because they agreed to this. So yeah, I, I I think that's well said, and I I think the other part of the collectives deal. So like I I definitely and, and look that my my point earlier is that these guys are like not these people putting these together are not just like doing it out of the goodness of their hearts or to be you know win championships. Yeah. There's also because there's a lot of money that can be made on this, and I hope that stuff's being handled appropriately and and not like you know for example um you know a, a, a foundation run by Hugh Jackson. So the the other part of that that I. <laughs> The which, other which part may or may not I, have admitted to a crime on Twitter today. I don't know. People doing, you know, tax fraud on Twitter. What, what, a, what a time we're living in, Andy. Um, or or not. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, the other part of that. Okay, so let's let's. So if you're Tennessee, just for for example here, um, or or say you are a historically, you know, top twenty five program that you want to mm-hmm. be a top ten program or top five program. Right? Yeah. You can. The thing, the thing that like, like, where I just feel like this stuff is just fine is so like we we just saw what it looks like if like Tennessee recruits at a top ten level under Jeremy Pruitt, right? Yes, and we saw the fallout of that. Those players didn't stay. The coach got fired. You know, there's we'll they, we'll they see what the fault. There was no cohesion to to what they were recruiting. They were right. The on field success didn't stars happen instead of actually creating a team. Right, yeah. and and we'll see if there's ever any like legitimate you know in civil fallout for all of that someday. But um, the, there's a part of this to me where like, it's like I think it's I I, for, I have absolutely no problem with the with the uh, you know student athletes making as much as they can, and I think I don't really get that offended by the idea that this is obviously pay for play and it's obviously yeah. like we are using this to recruit student athletes, which is of course against the whole intent of this. Right. I, my take would be if you like you, you go out and buy the best players you can buy. If you suck at evaluating and developing them, you're still going to still going to suck. Exactly. That's what I keep telling people that. And, and this is, this is where the OKG thing comes in. Like the, the people who are good evaluators are, but, but, but Ari and I discussed this the other day. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, great evaluators too. Yeah. Really good. They hit, they hit a lot more than they miss. And it's not just because, you know, organizationally they're successful in, in, in sort of developing the player. But, I mean, if, if you want to say, oh, oh, all those schools were already paying for players and stuff. Well, guess what? They're paying for very, very good players. Yeah. And, they're, and they know what to do with them and they hold on to them and they turn them into pros. So I, 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 that part of it, I, I'm fascinated to see, are there going to be programs that rise up and suddenly recruit at that top 10 level or top 15 level that you would think like, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. But as we saw with Tennessee under Pruitt, like you have to keep those players on your campus and you have to actually win with them or else you will get fired. Correct. 
and and, and if anything, the, the like churn, if you're kind of blowing it, it's going to be worse than anything else. And if like if people are investing that much money in your roster building, and then you suck, you're going to get fired, and they're going to stop investing. They're not 100%. I I realize everybody thinks that there's this money tree that people just keep plucking from to to give this there's not. No. Eventually these rich people are going to they'll continue to invest when they feel like they're getting a return on the investment. And 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 look, I don't necessarily mean they get money out of it. I mean they get the thing they want, which in some cases is is a winning team, some cases mm-hmm. it's influence, it's you know they have different reasons for doing it, but if they don't get the thing they want, and ultimately that that probably is a winning team, they're probably stopping, or they're going to withhold until changes are made to to try to get what they want. So, yep. yeah, I, I'm with you on that. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. You also mentioned you had a, a, a room temperature take on Oklahoma. And I, I do think, because mm. yeah. I've gotten a few questions about this in, in Dear Andy that I haven't really, I've, I've answered a couple of them, but I feel like I get one every week saying, oh, you guys have just decided Oklahoma stinks now. And I'm like, when, when did we ever say that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that. Um, and I'm, I would say I'm pretty optimistic about where they're going. I don't think that, I wouldn't say that they are on the whole better off without Lincoln Riley. I don't, I don't know. And, and that's, you I know, know that's what, what Oklahoma fans want to believe because they're yes. mad at Lincoln Riley for what he did. Sure. Absolutely. And this is all, this is all part of the breakup. And I, I totally get that. Um, I think the, I, I think Oklahoma has a chance to be um, as good as they've been under, under Brent Venables. I would be surprised if they fell off. Um, that being said, I I think that uh, so I think Oklahoma is going to be fine. That that would be my my room temp take on I, Oklahoma. I, I'm with you, on and that. especially it, if they're staying in the Big Twelve through twenty through the end of twenty four, which they might be, they're probably going to you know be pretty successful here over the next few years. Well, and and let me add to that. So the 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 next logical step is what happens when they get to the SEC. Well, Brent Venables has been recruiting against the best programs in the SEC for the past ten years, and and has been successful yeah. at it. You know, yeah. not not many people can go against Georgia or Alabama uh, or or Ohio State, not in the SEC, but but a great recruiting program, and get the guy that you're trying to get. But Brent Venables has been successful doing that, so I actually think he may be, from a practical standpoint, a better choice to lead them into the SEC. Now Lincoln Possibly. Riley gets good players too. He certainly gets great quarterback prospects. But when's he going to get a five-star D tackle? When's he going to get the you know the offensive line, you know that those that raw material? Because obviously Bill Beanbo did a great job building up what they had. And by the way, he's still at Oklahoma, building up their offensive linemen. And Brent Venables, you know, probably has a pretty good idea of what they'll be seeing yep. when they get I think to the Todd SEC. Bates has got a pretty good track record too on D linemen. Just teeny bit, teeny bit. That 2018 D-line was okay. Yeah. I I think the thing that I would be more concerned about long-term is is really the SEC more than the head coaching thing, if I were an Oklahoma fan. Because I think that if I were to, like, go, you know, right down the middle here, I would say that it's probably reasonable, given that we have a little bit of evidence to go on here, it's probably reasonable for an Oklahoma or Texas fan to fear, you know, we might be like an 8-4 and program for a few years in the SEC 
or five years, right? And if and if certainly right now, if Texas would love to be eight wins consistently. <laughs> They'll take eight and four. And I'm not, I don't mean to lump, totally lump them together like that, but it's possible because we saw it with A&M. It's possible you can take that and say maybe that maybe there's going to be a little bit of a ceiling here when you start off. It just as you make this transition and you have to figure out what it takes to recruit to that school and all that. I, I think there's, it's reasonable to, to maybe kind of have that concern. Now, obviously, uh, you know, Oklahoma has been a lot more successful over the last decade than A&M was in their decade before they went to the SEC. So I think you still feel a little bit better about that, but there's going to be a reality check to that change. Yeah, I. That's I true just, of changing conferences anytime. It, but it's not I, really I a statement Oklahoma, about the staff. Yeah, Oklahoma has been a pretty well-run program for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they won in the Big 8, they won in the Big 12, I think they will eventually win in the SEC. I don't know if it'll happen right away, but they've been one of the steady. They, you know, they the '90s were that weird down period for them. But other than that, historically, they just really aren't ever down. And I think that means something. I think competent. It's it's sort of like pro sports with with competent ownership. Like the Steelers are never going to be really bad because they're competently run. The Cardinals may never actually be all that good. Because they're well, not as competently run. I, I guess the one counter to that, I, I think. The Jaguars, is, maybe um, that was better. better, better well, no, I would just say that I think the one counter to that would be you'd say, well, what about Texas after Mack and DeLoss? You know, like if yeah. you were to take if, if you took Joe C out of the equation at Oklahoma, like, sure, it could get like chaotic like we saw from Texas it's, over it's, the last it, decade. It's true. I mean, with, with Texas, I, I look at Mack and Pete Carroll kind of in the same vein. Where, uh, where, you know, Mac at Texas, Pete Carroll at USC produced an era that really the years around it don't match. Mm-hmm. And it may just be that that guy was special. Yeah. You yeah. know, Oklahoma. Now, it, it may just be that Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley together are special. Or it may be that Oklahoma is kind of built to succeed no matter who's in there. It, that that certainly could be. I, I just, you know, when you when you... When you make sometimes when you make that one false step, like you know Steve Patterson over uh, Oliver Luck, then uh, you know things can can kind of veer off the road for uh, you know, ultimately quite a while. So um, you know that part, if you have that stability at Oklahoma, long long term continue, um, then yeah, absolutely, You're, they're going to be fine. But that's uh, that's not what people want to hear. They either want to hear that Oklahoma is going to win national championships under Venables, or that Venables is going to be fired in a year or two. So we're <laughs> it, it, we're just going to yeah. have to pick the middle there. Somewhere, somewhere in the middle, and, and that is where the truth usually lies. Very intrigued when you sent me your list to hear what your room temperature McDonald's take is. Because, first of all, I don't want room temperature McDonald's. No. I'm not sure no. how much McDonald's I'm having anyway, but certainly not at room temperature. But what are, what are we talking about here? Um, I just want to say, like, the last... I, we don't get McDonald's that frequently. The last two trips we've had to McDonald's, have been excellent, really excellent. And I, 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 so Did I would you do say Airland my, and see on the app or something. So no, just drive through. You know, had had good fortune. I, I could be the locations I'm going to, and, and you know, there's a big variance in terms of what mm-hmm. are you getting depending on which location you go to. Uh, you know, around this great country. Um, but my take would be McDonald's is good. 
Wow. All right. That's that's good to hear because it, it's this, one of those I, things. I, I'm a little afraid Ari's going to drop in and yell at me for a half hour just because I said that out loud on the podcast. How we'll could see. you think it was ever not good? It's yeah. not better than In and Out. What the hell are you talking about? Well, no, I. It, <laughs> I'm not saying listen, that. I'm just saying it's good. I will say if you want to be fascinated by something involving McDonald's, because we've all experienced the just crushing despair of going to McDonald's to get that vanilla ice cream cone, which is delightful, mm. by the way. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah what McDonald's you're at, where you are, that thing is delightful. But the machine is broken most of the time. And when you get to the front of the line, you order it, and they say, no, the machine's broken. It is just heart-destroying. There's a great story in Wired. I think it came out in 2020. might have come out last year. About why the McDonald's ice cream machines are always broken. It is fascinating it's, a, it's just an amazing business like remember there was, wasn't there a website that tracks them constantly on which ones are yes yes and somebody somebody created a, a machine yeah. to hack them and keep them working and then the company <laughs> that makes them went after those people it's, just, it's, it's an incredibly twisted story and I just want my ice cream, and it just made me mad reading it. But it was absolutely I, fascinating. I, this is so I just like the last two trips I've had quarter pounder with cheese. You know, crisp, very crispy fries. Yep. You know, great. Obviously, the 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 pop there is better than you know you get anywhere else. Most other places, I, I think there's that's a whole other conversation. For the Southerners, Max is talking about Coke. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that you know, there's certain places, Chick Fil A and McDonald's, kind of that upper tier of of soft drink. Yeah, um, the, the that, it's just better there than it's at other places. Yeah, yeah. that is um, that is true. I, my wife's McNuggets have just been on point. I, I you know, there's just I, I want to give them their credit. What, what's your relationship to McDonald's though? I love the fries. I mean, obviously, uh, you've I, lost a lot of weight, so you yeah, haven't I, been there I'm much. Not eating lately. a ton of fast food. If yeah, if we good. do eat fast food. It's usually Chick Fil A, but a lot of times yep. I get it for the kids, and I, I'm not I'm not even having it anymore because those fries. Mm. If I get one of those fry one of those waffle fries, I want to order like three larges, and so it's you. it's probably best if I just avoid them altogether. But no, I McDonald's. I, I love McDonald's breakfast. I love egg McMuffins, bacon, egg, and cheese. Uh, you know, I'm I, not the biggest I, McGriddle, McGriddle guy. I am if, not. I don't like I'm not trying syrup. to take that away from anybody. The, I don't if, want if you love the them, then good for you. Yeah, it's not my thing. But I'd, I'd much rather go to breakfast at McDonald's than lunch or dinner. That's That would be my choice. Okay. But, yep. But yeah, I, I, I'm fine with it. I don't think it stinks or anything like that. It's just, it's usually not my first choice. But it's one of those things where a big battleship like you know aircraft carrier like that when when they've kind of gone one direction and maybe can turn around like Domino's did that a few years ago mm-hmm. I, i'd gotten you know had some bad experiences with Domino's like 15 years ago and just stopped eating it and then you you start going to like kids birthday parties and stuff and and they change the recipes and you you'd eat it and you're like whoa this is kind of good and we ended up ordering from them quite a bit for a period because yeah. they got a lot better and they clearly were working at it. So you know, in college, we I, I it was it was Burger King over uh, McDonald's for us. This is I was in college from uh, 08 to eleven, okay, uh, or, or end of eleven. Um, it was it was it was BK, and I would love to read the story about what the hell has happened to Burger King over the last decade. I loved Burger King as a kid. That was it. It was more bec- for just convenience for me because there was a Burger King about a mile from where I lived. And so it was just easy for us to stop there and, and get yeah. it. But the, I love just the regular hamburger 
from yep. Burger King. I would eat tons of those as a kid. It was awesome. And I just have no desire to, <laughs> it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know good. what happened there. They, they just, ugh. they've tried, they've tried the fries in every conceivable iteration and can't seem to get that right. I, so. I, I it seems like they have no idea what their brand is at this point. I, it's, it's very, it's very confusing it's, and it's, just a, low it's quality a guy now. in a really big plastic. I hope they don't sponsor head. the podcast. I guess I should have asked about Well, that, they won't but. now, <laughs> but McDonald's may come aboard. That'd be fine. That'd be fine. All right, I have another another. Yeah, we're, we're let's, let's get take. into yours. What do you got? So this is this is actually a little along the lines of of McDonald's just doing the quarter pounder and cheese and the fries right and continuing to do them right year after year after year. You know, with musicians, a lot of times they get late career and they they want to get away from from everything that made them popular in the first place, or they want to evolve as artists. I want to give praise to someone who is like, you know what? I'm going to make an album exactly like the one that made me famous. Avril Lavigne put out an album on Friday. Wow. It's called Love Sucks. She spelled sucks, S-U-X. She mm. has been married and divorced from two different lead singers, the dude from Sum 41 and the dude from Nickelback. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, you know, a lot of breakup album-ish stuff in there, although the, uh, the breakup apparently occurred a while back, according to to what I read, what was but, the most recent breakup? I haven't followed her. I think the, the Chad Kruger from Nickelback that was like 2015. Okay. That was that was when that that happened, and apparently okay. the very amicable split too. But what did Avril Lavigne sure, get looked famous at a lot of for? photographs since that divorce? That yeah. stuff. Avril Lavigne made really hooky, you know, just earwormy, mm-hmm. big hooks, driving electric guitars. Her yelling at guys. That is what this album is. It is an entire album of her yelling at guys. There's one where, where she and Machine Gun Kelly basically yell at each other. It's fantastic. It is tremendous. Mm. Stuart Mandel and I were texting each other on Friday about it. Like, <laughs> and look, you call me a team. I would have picked Stu want. for an Avril Lavigne guy. Oh, Stu's a big pop punk guy. Loves mm-hmm. pop punk. And Avril Lavigne was was a pop punk artist uh, it, you know every bit of every bit the pop punk artist that that blink 182 or that that uh some 41 or any of those were so i just appreciate that like sometimes you got to lean into what you're really good at like sometimes i need to talk about ribs because i like talking about ribs people seem to enjoy me talking about ribs avril lavigne needs to you know sing a very catchy hook where she yells at a dude over a very not super creative but very memorable guitar riff that that's all we need that's it I, yes i i totally agree i think that um i i, I think i'm reaching the age now and I, i'm guessing you don't even ever pop in to this but like when you go on spotify do you ever look at go look at the charts and what like the top songs yeah, are on the charts i do i increasingly don't know any of these songs it's bad time for music right now I it, well, or I'm getting older. That's it's also it's also that. Um, and uh, and there's definitely a lot of artists that are probably looking at the charts and saying like, I can make this kind of music. Let's go in this direction. This is what people like right now. And uh, you know that kind of bums me out sometimes when when you just kind of try to chase the wave. I, I'm I'm with you, man. Uh, well, it, it, here's a song that was sort of unstuck in time. That it, it probably was was created. 20 years too late or actually probably 25 25 years too late 
that I, I recently heard. So have you have you watched Peacemaker on HBO Max yet? No, I haven't. Is it, okay, this is the great. John Cena show. It's, yeah. he, it's the character he I played in the, the Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, okay. So he plays that character again. The opening title sequence of that show is the most electrifying opening title sequence since the A-Team. The song that plays... Well, I mean, I don't know. The succession theme kind of gets me, but keep going. The song that plays during that title sequence is Do You Want to Taste It by a group called Wigwam. So the entire playlist of, of the series, the uh, the kind of musical character of the series, is hair metal. But this is a hair metal song that was created in 2010. Interesting. So these guys, okay. I, I'd never heard of them. I, I, maybe they've got a, a dedicated audience that you know still was rocking out in, in 2010 to, to hair metal. But I feel like it's one of those things where this is so much better than anything that's on the charts right now. And it all, it all it is is a, a, basically an homage to Motley Crue or Warren or Dokken or all the. But they actually play instruments and sing in harmonies and like none of the things that are popular now. Now, are you um, where, where do you stand on the um, it, it, did Avril Lavigne die uh, thing? I, I'm do you, do you sure believe she didn't. that I it heard is the album? No, there, there's a kind of an old internet thing that she she passed away and was replaced by doppelganger Avril Lavigne. Do you think that's true? <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't. I don't take. Think, I, I probably. I think that's probably not true. It's not like Journey finding the dude that sounded exactly like Steve Perry and looks nothing <laughs> like him. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I generally don't buy that. Um, the, I'll have to listen to this. Avril I mean, Levine. if it's an Avril Lavigne robot, I'm I'm willing to listen. <laughs> And and I will say, after having heard the album, remarkably good programming if she's a robot. Okay. She sounds like the real thing. But I'm pretty sure it's just her. She's okay. And she knows where her bread is buttered. And that is uh, angsty, is, is guitar-driven like, pop. Is this good running or workout music for you oh, or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah? I mean, okay. It's if if you're a 17-year-old girl or me. Okay, I, I will. I will give this a try. I, I took last week off, and uh, I caught up on something that was on my to do list for a long time, and that is I watched the eight hour Beatles Get Back documentary on Disney Plus. Uh, I I started it and then had to go do something, and so I was only like ten minutes into it. That's one of those I, I'm going to save till I can really binge yep. it because that. Let me let me really tell you something. Cool. Room temperature, take Andy. Beatles still amazing. Still good? Still, Still good. good. Still got it. Still holds up. <laughs> I mean, the the whole doc is, I mean, for, for like you and I and the folks in our business will love it because it's, uh, I mean, it, it's it's just, you you get to watch all of this footage and, and yes. really find all the these crazy. The access is amazing. It looks incredible. The access is unbelievable. Just you're, There's all these mundane moments that are just so telling about why they broke up and, and you know, where they were at at that point in, in their careers as they were about to go their separate ways. And I mean, they're making the music of, um, you know, the, the Let It Be album and the Abbey Road album, basically. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, it's, 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 that, that's the thing that blows my mind is all those hits. And, and it's one of those things are, especially if you're younger than probably if you're younger than 35 or 30, unless you are, you know, your, your parents were really big in it, but even your parents wouldn't have been alive for, for a lot of that. Like my parents were teenagers when the Beatles were popular. So it was kind of right in their sweet spot, but all of that was done over like a six or seven year period. And there's yeah. so many hits and you're like, 
Oh my God, they did that one too. And that one, that's also a Beatles song. And, 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 and look, help sounds nothing like happiness is a warm gun, mm-hmm. but they did yeah. it all. <laughs> and, and this was, and part of the, the, the clash within this is, is they're starting to figure out that George Harrison wants to make different music than Paul McCartney and John Lennon wants to make music. They want to go off and do their own stuff. And, um, there's the, it's, it's just watching them make up music out of, you know, from scratch and improve it over time. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, the Beatles, the Beatles are good. That's, that's a, that's a one, take one of my you, favorite folks. Chuck Klosterman essays. And it is in the, in keeping in keeping with the theme of this podcast. If you get a chance, it's, it's on the internet still the most accurately rated bands of all time. I believe he has the <laughs> Beatles as the fourth most accurately rated band of all time. Spoiler alert. Number one is Van Halen because <laughs> Klosterman posits that and the cradle will rock is the dead middle, the 50th percentile of music. That song. The 50th percentile. I like that. That That is an extremely Chuck Klosterman uh, topic there. I like that. It's it's tremendous. Well, Max, it has been a pleasure we need to uh, we need to refill the room temperature take tank, but next time you you did you hear anything something- that offended you on this podcast? Anything that uh, maybe rolled your eyes and say Ari and I are going to actually get into this on our next one? Absolutely not. I think Ari's going to be pleased that you now Ari may be mad that that you did not praise the fillet of fish in your McDonald's praise because that is his. I his preferred don't dish, think I'm. I think I can say I've never ordered a fillet of fish in my life. I just go, well, obviously haven't done it in a while, but went back when I did, no tartar sauce, mm-hmm. might dip it a little ketchup. Is it weird to say, like, when I look at a picture of a filet of fish, I would say, like, I would take the cheese off? Or does the cheese add a lot? I don't think the cheese adds that much. I, I think okay. if you if you feel like you don't need cheese with your if fish. If I want it, like, chicken sandwich style, you know, like, if yeah. I just want, no, it, I think that that actually probably would be good. It, Bun pickle fish bun might be a good yeah, way to go. Probably so. Probably so. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think any any feelings were hurt in the making of this podcast, and I'm I'm glad for that. All right, next time you have have Arian, ask him about um, the greatness of Phoenix, Arizona, because this is something that I, I just had to see a whole day of text messages about that from him. He was going to war defending the honor of Phoenix, Arizona. So so tee him off on that one. I I. Listen, I don't need to David to David Ubbin, off it, Phoenix hater. So that fuse, I don't know where that you fuse lights itself. Where, where are you on on Phoenix? I'm a huge pro fan. or con, huge fan. Okay, like Scottsdale, like Gilbert, I like Perry. Mm-hmm. Not as big on Glendale. Okay. Love Tempe. I haven't been to the stadium at Glendale still, or it, the Camelback. It's, it's a giant but. Hershey Kiss. The Camelback is is not as great. As uh, as everybody thinks, uh-huh. uh, the Marriott at Buttes, very okay. nice. I think but I haven't spent enough time in it to to have personally. To be I would this, just so I would say I think Phoenix is good. I would just want to be at the one of those places in Old Town Scottsdale and, and be able to walk to the bars and some really great breakfast places along mm-hmm. Scottsdale Road. So listen, I, I'm a huge. Fan. I believe you took me to Bianca P- Pizzeria Bianca there one time too. Pizzeria Bianca is excellent. Uh, Tacos Chiwas. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. Little Miss Barbecue, one of the best barbecue places in the country. It's, it's a great town. It's fantastic. Phoenix is good. There we go. So there you go. We we will not offend Phoenix either. Now I'll I'll <laughs> let Ari defend defend Phoenix all he wants when he comes back. Max, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I, I'm so glad we could work this in uh, between naps. <laughs>